Well, let me read 2 Samuel chapter 19, uh, picking up at verse 9. All the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us from our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he's fled out of the land from Absalom. But Absalom, who we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? And King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Say to the elders of Judah, Why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house, when the word of all Israel has come to the king? You are my brothers, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, Are you not bone of my bone and my flesh? <clears throat> God, do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of my army from now on, in place of Joab. And he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man. So they sent word to the king, Return, both you and all your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring the king over the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gerah, the Benjamite from Bahurim, hurried to come down with the men of Judah to meet King David. And with him were a thousand men from Benjamin. And Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, with his fifteen sons and twenty servants, rushed down to the Jordan before the king. And they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan. And he said to the king, Let not my lord hold me guilty, or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my king left Jerusalem. Don't let the king take it to heart. If your servant knows that I have sinned, therefore behold, I have come this day, the first of all the house of Judah, to come down to meet my lord the king. Abishai, the son of Zeruah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? But David said, What have I to do with you, sons of Zeruah, that you should this day be an adversary to me? Shall anyone be put to death in Israel this day? For I do not know what I am this day. For do, do I not know that I am this day king over Israel? And the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king gave him his oath. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back in safety. And when he came back to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said to him, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I might ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame. He has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Do therefore what seems good to you. 
for all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king. But you set your servant among those who eat at your table. What further right have I then to cry to the king? And the king said to him, Why speak any more of your affairs? I have decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Oh, let him take it all, since my lord the king has come safely home. Now, Barzillai the Gileadite had come down from Rogalim, and he went on with the king to the Jordan, to escort him over the Jordan. Barzillai was a very aged man, eighty years old. He provided the king with food while he stayed at Manaim, for he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come over with me, and I will provide for you with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How many years have I still to live, that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am this day eighty years old. Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and what he drinks? Can I still listen to the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way over the Jordan with the king. Why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant return, that I may die in my own city, near the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant Chimham. Let him go over with my lord the king, and do for him whatever seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do for him whatever seems good to you, and all that you desire of me, I will do for him. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king went over, and the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own home. The king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. All the people of Judah and all the and also half the people of Israel brought the king on his way. Then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have, I brothers, why have our brothers, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king and his household over the Jordan, and all David's men with him? And all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is our close relative. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we eaten at all at the king's expense, or has he given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah, We have ten shares in the king, and in David also we have more than you. Why then did he despise us? Were we not the first to speak of bringing up back our king? But the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Well, in a summary, that's David uh, coming back after his son had uh, tried to lead a rebellion and hadn't succeeded. But why are we reading that story today? Well, let me begin with asking this question. How can I help you to marvel at the greatness of God's king? 
how can I get you to marvel at his love, his great love, for his people? And one of the ways this chapter helps me to do it is simply to show you what his people are like. You then see how great his love is. You see, the Bible gives us a snapshot of God's people and then we see our family likeness there too. Not all that attractive. And remember, when we're talking about God's king loving his people in this part of the Bible, uh, we are talking about David, he's the king of the Old Testament over God's people. But whenever we talk David, we think Jesus, because David is God's king of the Old Testament, preparing us to understand the greatness of his successor, who is Jesus, God's king in the New Testament. So let's look at the snapshot first and see how the king loves his people in this passage. And whenever you hear people, think us, and whenever you hear king, think David, uh, king, uh, think Jesus. But let's go for the snapshot. And as you look at the snapshot, look at the people appearing in chapter 9, and I reckon two things might already have struck you. First, they do complain a lot, don't they? I mean, look at verse 9. All the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? There isn't a single person not arguing. Uh, what a bunch. And what they argue about is that David's not in the country. But the reason he's not in the country is because they didn't want him there. They had just preferred his son Absalom, who led an unsuccessful coup and therefore look at verse 10 Absalom who we anointed over us is dead in battle now therefore why don't we get the old king back now I'm not quite sure who's arguing with who they were obviously arguing with each other and what they really want is for David to get home and resume his role and there's, that's the, the, the sort of the majority of Israel doing that. And David's own tribe, uh, the tribe of Judah, uh, seem really slow at wanting him back as well. Israel chose somebody else. And Judah didn't particularly rush to uh, invite David. Israel seems to be the people doing the running at this stage. And... Judah is actually the tribe that supported Absalom the most because Absalom's David's son, so he was from Judah as well. But now Absalom's gone and David says to them in verse 12, look, I'm your family too. You are my brothers, you are my bone and my flesh. Why are you slow to get me back? And, and then staggeringly, if you look at that man Amasa in verse 13, but he is the one who actually led the rebel army. He led Absalom's army in chapter 17, verse 25. Now Absalom had set a massa over the army. And now, Joe, uh, now uh, David is saying, Amasa, I'm going to make you the leader of my army. Now, what a gracious way to deal with the opposition. 
no reprisals by God's King, only grace. And it has its full effect, as you can see in verse 14, and he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man. So they sent word to the king, return both you and all your servants. That is how God's king deals with these complaining people. And whenever you think of God's king, David, you think Jesus. And when Jesus sees people who are like lost sheep without a shepherd, interestingly, isn't it? He doesn't punish them for getting lost. Instead, he speaks to give them reasons to want him back. And yet, what a complaining uh, lost group they are. And yet the great king loves them. What a great love for a mixed group like that and certainly that mixed group has got mixed motives that's the second thing to notice about how unattractive they are and you see that with these two people uh, Shimei and uh, Ziba pick with uh, pick on Shimei first you see him in action in verse 16 Uh, he's the first to uh, come across uh, meet the king but remember this is the man who cursed David non-stop when he was on his way out. But now he's big on apology in verses 19 and 20. Let not my Lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. Don't let the king take it to heart for your servant knows that I have sinned. Now look, this guy's a snake. But even snakes want to live. That's his motive. He's just grovelling to save his life. And David certainly has got every reason to act against him, as Abishai suggests in verse 21. Uh, Why don't we just simply get rid of him? But uh, gives him wonderful uh, reassurance uh, and uh, spares his life. Now look, it's easy, isn't it, to be cynical about people apologising like this, what the Bible calls uh, repentance. But if repentance depended on pure motives, it would never work for any of us. We usually only apologise to avoid trouble, don't we? It's only after we've got caught that we say sorry. And it's interesting that actually that is exactly what happened with King David himself. Uh, he fessed up uh, in uh, in chapter 12, verse 13, with the same words that Shimei uses, look at verse 20, where Shimei says, I have sinned, but there's exactly the same words that David speaks in uh, chapter 12, verse 13, after he uh, discovers uh, that uh, his wrong has been uh, found out. Nathan comes to him, tells him uh, what he's done, and David says, I have sinned, exactly the same words. And the same words that uh, uh, Nathan uh, speaks to him, you shall not die, that's what he says to Shimei in verse 23. What he's really doing is he's showing Shimei the same grace he received after he admitted he'd done wrong. And so therefore he treats Shimei uh, the same way that God has treated him. Uh, What a gracious king to do that. 
now you meet this guy Ziba and uh, Ziba in uh, verse uh, 17 well he's got mixed motives too because you remember he seemed to support David in chapter 16 he sends all these provisions and uh, bad mouths his master Mephibosheth at that time he says uh, oh well this guy's anti-David he's not supporting you one bit and so when David meets uh, Mephibosheth in verse 25, uh, he is quite cool towards him. Uh, Why do you not go out with me, Mephibosheth, he asks in verse 25. And Mephibosheth, who is a cripple, explains how he was entirely wanting to come, but entirely dependent on Ziba to help him. And Ziba, of course, refused to do that and went to David instead, gave a bad report about uh, his... uh, uh, a boss and as a result of that he got all the share of uh, Mephibosheth's lands but actually when you look at Mephibosheth and what he says uh, when he sees David in fact just look at him in verse 25 David asked him why didn't you come with me and if you look at him in verse 25 uh, verse 24 uh, he's neither Uh, taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed, from the day he came back in safety. Well, frankly, take one look at him, and you'd think that he had actually gone with David out of the wilderness. He looks so scruffy, as if he himself had been at least with David in exile in spirit, if not in person. He lived lived it out himself back at home. Now, I'll come back to Mephibosheth in a minute because there's something else we need to learn about God's king and his love um, uh, from this man. But to get back to Ziba, it certainly shows that Ziba was essentially lying. And he had mixed motives when he said he was serving David. He just wanted his land. So all he was, Ziba, was a greedy liar. But the fact is, at that time, he'd been a helpful, greedy liar. So he doesn't suffer the full loss that perhaps he might have done otherwise. So it's not really a great snapshot of God's people. Uh, You've seen that they're complaining, and you've seen they've got all the mixed motives in the world for personal gain. And if you look at the end of verse 43, they're still having a go at each other. Uh, It's uh, a pretty uh, unattractive... uh, group of people that God King, God's king loves but then you see something about the way God's king loves let's go from snapshot and just hold in your mind this idea of a substitute because I want to show you two men who discover God's undeserved goodness through God's king because they were substitutes so the first one, I said i come back to him, Mephibosheth, in verse 24, you see that he is the son of Saul, the man who dedicated his life to kill David. But uh, Saul actually had a son called Jonathan, who was entirely different. He was David's best friend. And after Jonathan died, David took his crippled son Mephibosheth and treated him as if he was Jonathan. And for Jonathan's sake gave him Saul's lands. So when Ziba's uh, deception cost uh, 
uh, Mephibosheth half his property, he didn't really mind because he had nothing before David started caring for him. Look at verse uh, 28. He says that. Uh, for all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king, but you set your servant among those who eat at your table. Why am I going to complain? And that is uh, the wonderful thing about uh, God's king. He has this effect on people because he treats them as substitutes for others, and so therefore, frankly, you can take the whole lot away. And Mephibosheth would still know that David loves him because David loves Jonathan. And that love is going to sustain him. That's enough. So he's willing to uh, be treated like that uh, because he is a substitute uh, for somebody else. And he delights in all the gains of that. You could say the same thing for this other bloke you've never heard of before. I haven't. Called Chimham in verses 37 and 38. Now, he's a complete unknown. He's done nothing for David. But David wants to honour an eight-year-old uh, who, in verse 32, called Barzillai, who helped, uh, who's helped uh, uh, him um, and looked after him when he was on the run. And he now wants to go and uh, look after Barzillai and give Barzillai a, a seat at the top table when he gets back into his palace. But Barzillai doesn't want any of that in verse 37. Um, can't appreciate uh, palace life. He's got it all at home anyway. He's a very wealthy man. And therefore he nominates Chimham for David to do whatever good that he would do for the old gent himself. Chimham is Barzillai's substitute. Now, there's another part of the Bible uh, that hints there's a good reason for us to think that he was Barzillai's son. But you will notice how David does more for Chimham than Barzillai intended. Barzillai says, look, you take him and do whatever's good to you, uh, in verse 37. But notice in verse 38 that Chimham's treatment uh, is going to be uh, greater than that because it will be in line with Barzillai's wishes. Look at verse 38. Uh, David will do whatever seems good to you in verse 38. In other words, I'm going to treat him and give him exactly what you want because he is your substitute. Now look, let me just ask you, if you were one of these two men, and you had God's king lavishing his goodness on you entirely because of somebody else. What would that leave you feeling? My guess is humble. My guess is grateful. Well, hold that thought and we'll get back to it. Because I want to just finish off by taking what we've learnt today from this passage and seeing how it might play out in three different groups of people who might be listening. First, it may be group one, hasn't it, people who've not thought about Christianity all that much. Maybe they're not Christians, maybe uh, it's not something that has been particularly um, in your mind to consider. But where you might have had the odd thought or two now and then, well, what might have put you off 
might be the carry-ons of church politics and bickering Christians. And that would be understandable, wouldn't it? Because there's a lot of it going on almost every church all the time. But really, shouldn't it have the opposite effect on us when we see that happening? Surely when we see it happening in this chapter, we ought to be saying, shouldn't we, that these people have got a very gracious king? Or his kingdom would have self-destructed long ago? And shouldn't we be saying the same thing about churches today? Where there's infighting, hurt feelings, rigid stubbornness, petty rivalries, and even a lot of apathy towards God's king or wanting him close to them. Surely what that tells you is there must be a very gracious king in charge of his people. Because he is, the Bible tells us, Jesus is graciously building his church. Or it would have vanished long ago. Someone once said, don't write off a hospital because there are sick people in it. When daily you will see the skill of medical staff being exercised uh, on their behalf, in their care, in different ways. You've always got things to admire in a hospital at the stand of care going on. Uh, don't uh, think nothing's happening because there are sick people uh, in it. They're in the right place to get the care that is being offered. And I want to suggest to anyone who's new to Christian things that you actually get a really big view of the love of God if you let yourself marvel at the way he loves his complaining and divided people. And my guess is if you do that long enough, you want to be part of that group as well. If you understand what it means to be loved by this great king. And it's true that uh, your heart might be complaining. It may be that your motives may not be great. But put your finger on those words of Shimei in verse 19. And ask him for mercy. And use that as a prayer to come into uh, uh, the sphere of uh, uh, the love of God's King. Who will not uh, punish you as you deserve uh, and you will not die. So uh, uh, verse 19 is especially worth uh, talking to God. Uh, using to talk to God yourself. Lord, who don't hold me guilty or remember how your servant has done wrong. Don't let your king take it to heart because you know I have sinned and I don't want to do that anymore. What if there's someone who's knocked around church a bit? Here's the second group I've got in my mind. Because it's easy to have church people who often might think that they are cut above the others, rather like uh, uh, volatile Abishai in verse 21, who is marvellously on David's side and has been really upset at the way that Shimei cursed him uh, when he did. So he wants to go and stand up for David, but it is very shocking to hear what David calls him in verse 22. He calls him his adversary. Now look, what's shocking about that is that that's the Hebrew word uh, for Satan. 
adversary. And yes, in the Bible, that is then developed and taken further and, and, and used as the word to describe the devil himself. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because Satan wants God to reject sinners. Just as we uh, see Shimei wants David to reject uh, Abishai wants to, David to reject Shimei. And we need to remember that when we want uh, God's people to act in any form of judgment against anybody else, we are in that sense like David's adversary. We want them to experience God's judgment rather than God's mercy. And I want to suggest that it's far better for us to handle the Shemais with the same mercy that we've received. David received mercy and he mirrored it to Shimei, didn't he? He prays. Uh, Shimei says, have mercy on me. And David says, you will not die. That's exactly what was said to David. And so David says that to Shimei. That's how God's people should be with people who deserve God's punishment. Rather than cry out for God's judgment for them, we ought to be wanting God to be merciful. Otherwise, we will be an adversary. We will be Satan. It's a shocking thought, and I hope it's enough to put me off from uh, judging others, as I often do. What if you are a believer who wants to go home happy about God's love? Well, I know that we like uh, individual feel-good trips, just a quick uh, message between me and God and what can I take home from God to me. But my friends, I want to suggest that we will always see God's love in bigger measure if we see ourselves as part of a bigger picture, a family of people who collectively ought to be sacked for being God's people. Because we aren't good, we complain, we have mixed motives. And the reason we aren't uh, set aside and love so much is what this passage teaches us about how the way God loves substitutes. And the New Testament tells us that uh, the way David treated Mephibosheth and Shimham uh, is actually how God treats everyone in his family because of Jesus. Now it's interesting how uh, the New Testament talks about uh, Jesus, uh, the substitute first of being Jesus, he gets punished instead of us. So in that sense, uh, the word substitute is used of Jesus. He is substituted in our place. But uh, what this passage tells us is that we are substituted in his place to receive God's favour. That's the other side of the uh, cross. And God's love for Jesus is so great that he effectively says um, uh, to the people that uh, Jesus wants in his kingdom, he speaks to Jesus uh, essentially um, the way that David spoke to Barzillai. He says, um, yes, this person will go over with me and I will do for him whatever seems good to you. 
and all that you desire of me I will do for you that's what the father says to the son when the son says treat this Christian in my place and if you are Christian you are part of a family where everyone has that level of commitment and care and it's important therefore for us that we go tonight uh, and uh, go home looking at that snapshot of people complaining people with mixed motives and think wow if that's me and my church isn't it amazing what uh, God's love is and we're all substitutes he loves us uh, because of his son and uh, what he has achieved on the cross and if we keep doing that and living in that awareness I guarantee you you'll start feeling the thrill that we'll have when we're living in heaven but let's thank God for that and let me pray Father, we do want to thank you for all that you have taught us through this passage. And we pray that you will please help us to take these lessons home, not just to hear them, but to come back to you, to uh, talk to you in the light of them. Please would you help us to uh, pray for you to have mercy on us uh, where that is appropriate. Please will you help us to pray to you that uh, will not be quick to judge others but want your forgiveness that so we aren't mirroring Satan but more Jesus and please would you help us to just marvel at uh, your great uh, love for your collective complainers and uh, the crowd with mixed motives that's who we are please keep us humbly grateful that you treat us as substitutes that we might bring glory to your name Amen.